Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Sure. Oh, well, thank you. Once again, you know, it, it, it's a joy and it's, a, it's, it's, I'm really honored to be here. Listen, I, I grew up in Kenya and I grew up in, I joke around and I say we were upper poor, which simply means we were just above the threshold, right? We, mm-hmm. we survived. I, I was born to a very young mother. My mother was 17 when she gave birth to me. And basically I moved from my mother straight to my grandmother and my grandmother became my mother. My grandmother was older. She was a summer stress for the council, the city council in Nairobi. And we, she, she did her very best at her old age. She's, she worked every day and took me to school. I went to a, you know, basic council school and, and there were really, you know, there were three pivotal women in my life. There was my grandmother, there was my aunt, and there was my mother. Those were the three women that really shaped my life. And while we didn't have much financially, there was an abundance of love. There was an abundance of three women that taught me leadership from the very beginning. There was an abundance of three women who taught me that I was more than my environment, that I could live outside my current conditions and circumstances. So they shared, you know, the little that we had, I I joke around and I say, my mother taught me adventure. I, my journey to America was nothing more than my, what my mother taught me. I've traveled the world from, from, the, from the sidling of a woman who did the same. My aunt taught me the basics of making my bed, learning how to cook, the survival things that, I, that have kept me in the world. You know, My grandmother taught me family, taught me God, taught me what it really meant to... She taught me relationship. Now, my life really changed. Uh, at the age of, of 17, actually 18, in Kenya, we do a national exam that qualifies you to go to university. Mm-hmm. And on that morning we started, I lost my mother. Now, here was oh, the morning young, of the exam. Uh, the morning of the exam. I literally wow. woke, I woke up and went to school to do my, my first paper and came back home and my mom had passed away. Wow. So I went to school. A guy who desired to want to come to the U.S. to become a pilot. I, I wanted to do so many things, and I came back that evening, and I did not have bus fare to go to school the next day. Mm. And that was the first shift. A year later, my aunt passed away. She had been unwell for a little while, and she left five kids. So here I am, 19, lost two important people in my life, and I just inherited five kids. Youngest was four years old. So not only have I become now a father, provider, two years after that, my grandmother passed away. So in a span of four years, everything that I knew, Dennis, as, as life or structure had disappeared. Now, as an only child, and now I have five kids to bring up. And 
And so I really moved on, you know, really, and, and I jump a lot of journeys of struggle of providing, you know, we barely had school fees. I, I went back home when we couldn't afford it. But all through my life, Dennis, I was always a leader in my crew and I was always an entrepreneur. I have sold from doves to rabbits to everything. <laughs> I was always the guy, I was always the guy who knew that, you know, now that I had a soccer ball, I, I could charge a fee for those who didn't have it so I could make some little bit of money. So I was always an entrepreneur and that's what saved me when I lost my family. I immediately became an entrepreneur, ended up working for somebody who had a freight forwarding company. Within a little short while, I ended up starting my own company. And Kali, I, I'm 22, 23, and I was making more money than my entire family had ever made. I was freight forwarder for the big national companies and, and nonprofits and diplomatic missions. And, and so I was, you know, and really, I, as I share this, this was really my own personal growth and my own journey. And mm-hmm. here I was, I was a rich, poor boy. I had a rich, all, poor boy. Wow. I had, I had all the trappings of money. I could dress, I could belong to the golf club that I only wished I could have gone to. I could drive the car that I wanted to, but I, I did not know what it meant to actually have a relationship with money. Right. Yeah. I did not know what it meant to be mentored. I, I sat in circles of people who would have made me billionaire, but I did not understand the relationship of what it meant to be mentored. Mm-hmm. I did not understand what it meant to be in a group and not be the smartest. And yeah. so, you know, that journey went on and, and I met one guy. He was, he was he, somebody had invited us on a, on a maid, it was a maiden flight into Sudan. And I met the, then the CEO of Kenya Airways and he was a, he was a Dutchman and he's the first guy that I actually experienced great leadership so close that he convinced me immediately. It took me two years, let me not say it took me two years. And I decided that I actually wanted to learn from this guy and I sold my business and he, I got an opportunity to go and work for Kenya Airways. And that was my first mentor. That's the first person who mentored me. And what, what age were you then when you, when you discovered that? I was probably 25. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you've actually had, you know, like uh, quite a, a, a few years there with some money and some success and so forth. Oh, yes. oh yeah. But I as, was 25, 26. Yeah. But as you said, yeah. yeah. And as you said, it wasn't, it was, you had people in front of you, but you just didn't realize the actually, the understand the relationship there and how that could actually help you to go onto other levels until Absolutely. you were ready, which was later on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here, here, here it was, is you've got to remember that my, my self-worth was attached to how much I had and what I could, what I could show because I had never had those things. You got to remember, I'm a guy who passed by the golf golf course on a bus. And now I belonged to the golf course. I, I was a member of the golf club. Those two things were just a reality. And so I, I got caught by the trappings of the little money. And so I thought that was what was money. And I thought that was what was leadership. And the more I had, the less happy I was. The more I had, the more empty I was. I walked to the walk, talked the talk, dressed the part, but completely empty. Yeah. Wow. And so what an amazing background you just shared there and, and the experience and that journey, and the, what, you, what you went through, you know, two important people in your lives gone. You've inherited five kids, 19 years of age, yep. and then you go on to as an entrepreneur because you knew that you had to do things. And the first time I met you years ago in the United States, we were there together, 
The first time I met you was, I, I just saw you with this presence there, a guy, strong guy, knowing, but what, what I still remember today, and even as I think about you today, your shoulders, it was like, this is a guy whereby he can carry a lot of load on him. And I'm sure during at times, it's not easy for you to carry a lot of loads on you. But I think you as a change person, you've experienced so much change in your life, even when you're at 19 years of age and so forth. And what was going on for you. And even today, you carry that load on you. And I know that you are a, a, a special person who can actually help others go forward as well, which is, which is really, really, really quite cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so you. how did you, how did, how did you, I mean, you've, I think you've actually answered the question a bit about how you got into leadership because, you know, you've talked about that, those stories, but is there anything else you might want to share about how you oh, got I, into leadership? I, I got to tell you, this is very, this is very interesting. So I'm, I'm in South Africa now. And, you know, then I was, you know, flying everywhere and I was, you know, this little big shot. And, you know, when you're, when you're traveling around, you go to the airport and you buy books, right? You're supposed to mm -hmm. look smart. So I bought a book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, uh, yep. which I, I had never read. So I am now 27, 28, 29. The last book I read was when I was 18, when I was getting out of high school. And one night I'm in Santon Johannesburg. It was a Friday. I picked that book. And I sat with that book, Dennis, and I could not sleep. That was the first time I actually realized after reading that book that there was actually this whole concept of leadership and it could be learned because up yeah. until then, I had been a positional leader. I, I led by my position. I led by my authority. But this, mm -hmm. for this first time, I actually picked up this book and I said, my God, I want this. So this is what's, what happened. Three months later, I quit my job and I decided I was actually going to come to America to seek the author of this book that I had never seen. This is the first book I had read about leadership. I was seeking a guy called John Maxwell I had never met. I was yeah. embarking on a journey that I had no clue. I'd never been to America. I did not even know what to expect. So I took my little savings that I had at the point in time. And I, have, I had a daughter back home, so I left the money there and I embarked. I left Kenya with a thousand dollars. I went into London, went into a travel agency, and I said, I would like to buy a ticket to Atlanta, Georgia. Why Atlanta, Georgia? Behind the book, it said that John Maxwell had an office in a place in Atlanta called Duluth. And I said, I'm going there. Crossed, I came to America, suitcase, a Bible I had never read, the 21 Refutable Laws, $749, seeking a mentor that I had never met, on a journey I'd never been, to a country I'd never been, to a city I'd never been. Amazing. And, and, and Dennis, in, in that pursuit, I come in and golly, my first, I mean, literally when you come to the airport in Atlanta, right across the airport, there's a Best Western. I mean, then I checked into the Best Western, paid for a week, and that was Welcome to America, and took a train the next day and, and all that stuff, and, and it was a journey. And he, really to share this with you is in under a year, Dennis, I was cutting grass. I was working for a, for a landscaper to put food on my table. You got to remember, I was flying first class a year ago. Yes. I had a driver, a pool, a swimming pool. I mean, I, I, had, I had the trapping. And now I'm cutting grass, pursuing a dream that I have no idea what to do. But that's the first time, Dennis, I met me. That's the first time I'd begun to learn how to lead me. I'd begun on this journey of discovering myself. That, and, is, that is awesome, huh? <laughs> It, it, it was, 
And my, I, I was so broke, I couldn't even afford the leadership books. Let me tell you, I would go to the bookstore. It was $17 and I couldn't afford it. So you know what I do? I'd open the leadership books I was reading and then hide them and take and go and hide them in the section of under cookery or technology. Because when they arrange them, I, I can hopefully come back and find the book the next day. Yep. Yep. Fast forward nine years to the Now, I, be, I went to John's office and my first leadership books were in his office. And I went in and there was nothing. They would make me pack books for conferences and they would give me the, you know, one book and I'd go in. That was my first journey of leadership, of learning and growing. But I knew there was no going back. There was no way that I was going back. It was easy for me to go back to Kenya and get a job. It was easy for me to go back to the environment I knew. It was easy for me to go back to the same crowd of people who I knew. And in that case, that was my comfort zone. Sometimes that can be quite daunting because I've been lucky enough, I think, to have done a wide number of things. Started life as, as a, a journalist and prior to that, the military. So did a couple of years in the military and then went into to journalism and sort of meandered and made my way, I guess, into marketing, sales and marketing. And that's more or less where I've been there. I've had a couple of roles, general managers roles and CEOs roles and, and various leadership, been in my own business, done, done quite a lot of things. Would bore you to, to have to listen to them more. That's awesome. So how did you get into leadership? Have, you know, leadership roles and how did you get into it? You know, it was an interesting experience. I was working for a company that did publishing. So graphic design, printing, you know, developing newsletters, magazines, PR, that sort of thing. And they had a sales team of about 13 people. And I was one of the, the salespeople as well as an account manager and, and, you know, a business of probably about 70, 80 staff. So relatively small. And, you know, global terms. So you, you got to do everything. And the managing director was a, he was new to the role. He was from Liverpool, short guy, sort of walked with a, a good sort of swagger, knew, knew, knew what he was about. And he used to run the sales team. And one day that some of the sales team were saying to him, well, you know, we really need a dedicated sales manager, you know, 13 people, it's, it's a, a good sized team and we need somebody to, to look after our priorities. And in the middle of the sales meeting, he looked at them and he said, well, what about Colin taking over the role? Which was the first I'd heard of it. <laughs> wow. And I had to sit there while he, each person around the table had to, to give the pros and cons of why they thought I'd, I'd be a good, you know, fit for the role or not. And I remember it at one stage, one of them, one of the older ones, he was probably a bit more resistant to this 20 year old, 20 something year old taking over as their boss said. Well, we haven't asked Colin yet what he thinks. And your first instinct is to be humble and go, oh, well, you know, there's so much more experience than me in the room and all of that sort of thing. And I thought to myself, you know, you hear about opportunities coming along and this is one of those moments. So I'm going to grab this with both hands. And of course, it said, no, I'm, I'm up for this. And, and that's how I ended up in my first leadership role. Excellent. And so when you were talking about the 20-something-year-old taking over and there were probably obviously older people in the in the team. How did that transition happen, go? I mean, was were they happy? Were you happy? How did it go for you? Yeah, well, I, I got the role because most of the team thought that, you know, I'd be a good fit for it and, and they yeah. would be happy to, to work with me. But, you know, I was 28, I think, and 27. And there were some salespeople in that role who were in their 40s possibly early fifties, you know, it's a bit hard to gauge age when you're 28 and 
they were naturally, I think, resistant to it or, or maybe a bit resentful. So, you know, I had that dynamic to deal with at, at quite an early age. And I remember my sort of first, I remember it quite clearly. I was running a sales meeting and it was about 4.30, maybe 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and the one salesperson in particular was saying, oh, it's knocking off time. You know, I, I'm going now. I'm going now. It's knocking off time. I'm going now. And I was sort of leading to wrap up the meeting, but then I got a bit stubborn <laughs> and went on for a couple more minutes and she persisted, but you know, it, it's, it's knocking off time. So eventually I walked to the door and I opened the door and I said to her, Donna, here's the door. If you want to leave, you can leave. And anybody else who wants to leave with you can join you. And she had half risen and everybody just stayed put in their chairs, didn't move. So she sunk back into her chair and that was the last challenge I had from her. Yeah, interesting, eh? Yeah, because the, the reason I ask that question is because there are different generations that are in organizations today more than ever. And, and of course, you know, how do they actually work together and so forth? And I find a lot of the younger leaders struggle with themselves personally. They think it, they, they have this imposter syndrome or they have this thought that they have in their mind of, well, do I, what are they going to think and can I do it and so forth? And it's really interesting to see how the transition goes. And so sometimes there are some things that need to be ironed out, but it tends to sort of work its way through and, and, and go okay. Yeah, I think ignoring a, a situation doesn't help. You know, you do need to address it. You do need to address it assertively and confidently. And obviously, you know, you have to have the confidence to back yourself. But, you know, if you do that, if, if you address the situation and, and look to resolve it, these things usually have a way of working out. It's, it's when we leave a problem to persist that it becomes a real problem. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 